Your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome everybody. All right, today we're talking about the essentials of true love. And I have to tell you, you know, the belief that love is true when it lasts is not an outdated concept. The truth is, is if you're going to fall in love, and let's say you're going to be a committed long-term relationship, marriage, hopefully, you have to understand something. It's at least from a obligation perspective that it is not only a contract to be together, especially in marriage, it is a covenant to be together. And that covenant is before God. And if you think about it from a Christian perspective, and I'm not going to rattle on about Christian stuff, but from a Christian perspective, the essence is your relationship with your partner on earth is reflective of how and teaching you as a model of how to love God. It's on earth where you have to make compromises. You have to make choices that you normally would not make for yourself because you're considering another party. And in that, we learn the lesson of how to compromise, and that's where we learn integrity, and that's where we learn how to love God. If we don't take that serious, we tend to find ourselves lost and alone and in a very difficult situation. So the bottom line is, is that we have to understand that you can always tell where you stand with God by where you stand with your partner. That is a direct correlation with how you treat your partner is how you treat God. And on in the practicality, that's where the rubber meets the road. When you have children, how you treat your children is how you believe that God loves you. Now, there's an essence of what is responsible for each party in a relationship. The one thing that a woman wants and looks for at all times, and she will nag you to your dead unless she gets it, and that is to be cherished. Cherished is I can't be the man I am without. And I'm not just speaking for 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 uh, you know regular ma- married couples of male female. This can go both ways depending on what flavor of a marriage that you have. But here's the essence of it: the 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 female needs to feel cherished. Cherished is I can't be the man I am without her. I don't even know why she's with me. You know I'm lucky to just have her. And it's that way when you're with her, it's that way when you're not with her. And that is because the woman takes the greatest risk in coming into a relationship. Number one, uh, she wrecks her body to have babies. And uh, number two, she takes the man in sexually, so she's much more vulnerable. But when she wrecks her body, she's got to pray to God that you're going to be still attracted to her after time of having babies. And the other part of it is she knows that if you decide to go with someone else, someone younger, someone more attractive, whatever, down the road, uh, she is faced with the idea of having to carry the burden of raising the children in the most in most cases. And so that sense of cherished is a requirement. And if you can't do cherished, if you're too narcissistic to do cherished, you have no business being in a long-term relationship. Now, from the other aspect of it, if you think about what a man needs, 
What a man needs is he needs to feel heard. That means he needs to feel like he is respected. Respect is heard. And it's the same thing we have to do for the female. We have to hear them. And so here's the deal. The man will go, if I don't have a voice with my wife, if she's a terrible listener, if she's always talking over me, if she always has to be right, if she's always interfering, if she's always countering my decisions, then the bottom line is she has no business being in a relationship with anyone because uh, she does not respect them. And the respect is about 70% of what gets us to the idea of rage. And so if you want to have an angry partner, don't be a good listener. Be very selfish. Uh, be very disruptive in your conversations. Always want to be right, and you will find yourself alone in the world. And so people that are looking for the ingredients of true love have to understand that there is a humbleness to it. You have to be a good listener. So what is that? Oh, does it require agreement? No. What it requires is I understand. Okay, so what you're telling me is this. Oh, I, all right, I hear what you're saying. So what you're saying is blah, 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 blah. That is the quality of a good listener, reflective listening. That is what's needed. If we did more of that and honored how each other feels about what we're talking about rather than what we're talking about, if we understand the meaning more than we try to interpret the words like these analytical people who actually don't understand what it is to be human, the bottom line is you have got to step into conversations and really compromise, really understand what someone has to say. You don't have to agree with it, and you please do not state your opinion unless you're asked. And so if you want to get the groundwork of how true love can operate, those are the essence from 30,000 feet up that give you the factors. Now, key characteristics of knowing someone loves you include support without explanation of anything in return. Uh, it is the compassion in difficult times. It's the quality time together. It's being told you are loved. It's feeling special and appreciated. Being forgiven for something you did wrong. By contrast, people agree that we don't feel loved when someone is possessive or tries to control us. So what is the act of compassion? The act of compassion is the act of love. Compassion is the act of love. And so the essence of people who love and families who love each other, people and friends that love each other, is they show compassion for each other first and foremost as the most important part of their life. And the more they do that with their family unit, the more they do that with people around them. And those people thrive because they have deep and meaningful compassion for the world. And, and so the whole bottom line is if you want to learn how to love, learn how to be compassionate, and now you will draw people into your life. You know, what? what is true love, though? And there's a whole lot of different types of love. There's eros, which is called romantic. Uh, there's Judas, or game playing. There's storage, or friendship. There's pragma, which is basically pragmatic, logical. Um there's mania or possessive. There's agape or altruistic type of love. There's a physical attraction. There's intimacy. They're central to the romantic love and, and permissiveness in a variety of partners characterized by uh, uh, what was called ludus, which is game playing. Companionship and stability are the foundation of, of being uh, pragmatic. 
And so it's really important as friendship comes along is that we are able to be compatible with different types of people, that we view people. If you want to be a candidate for true love, you have to view people as more right than they are wrong, and you have to believe that they're more good than they are bad, and you stop trying to tribalize people. You know, intensely emotional people tend to be very jealous. And uh, they also, uh, the altruistic are all giving and they have little or, or ineffective boundaries oftentimes. Saying no is not a bad thing. Saying no is learning how to say no is learning how to love because love is created by saying no to things that are not good for you. And if you have good self-love saying no to things that are not good to you, then you will be good with love as a companionship because now as a couple, you will learn to say no to things that are not good for you. You know, love is expressed. Uh, if you ever thought of this, I know one of my mom's favorite songs was uh, Before the Next Teardrop Falls. If he, if he, here's a quote. If he brings you, and that's Freddie Fender, by the way. If he brings you happiness, then I wish you all the best. It's your happiness that matters most of all. Beyond the emotional and the essence of selfless love is a behavioral commitment. But if, but if he ever breaks your heart, if the teardrops ever start, I'll be there for the next teardrop falls. You know, that's important. That is true love, is being there for the people who are hurting, for the people who love you, for the people who need you. The benefits of agape love have been highlighted by research, and that's selfless caring. And it's associated with deep love and intimate communication and relationship satisfaction, loyalty, commitment. Here's the deal, though. The big essence of what we learn in a committed relationship or a marriage is the value of integrity. And that's who you are when no one's watching you. And that is one of the most important things in our entire existence. If you want to end up in a nursing home with nobody to show up, if you have a heart attack and nobody goes to the hospital to see you, that means you probably have not managed your integrity very well. And integrity is what you do when nobody else is looking. That is important. If we learn integrity in our committed relationships and if we follow through with that integrity, there is a very little chance that that relationship will break up. What there is more of a chance of is it will thrive and it will grow and it will never stop. Here's the deal, though. If you want to be a person in a committed relationship, you have to be committed to the relationship. You know, the bottom line is a committed relationship is not a try. And this is what the world does. We try to be in a relationship. We try to be with someone, which means there's always a back door. Try is the worst word in the English language. You either will or you won't be married. You either will or you won't be a college student. You either will or won't be working. If you go into the absolute of an absolute decision, I will, that means you will do what it takes no matter what, no matter how difficult the circumstances is. And, and people take vows, I will. You know, and, and the bottom line is they do I'll try. I'll try is never good enough. It's never good enough if you want to have a watered-down life, a watered-down memories, live in a try and not a will. Try to control everything, and you will find that you never get the full richness of a relationship or what life has to offer you. Tries do not work. 
Both parties have to be a will or a won't, and that is it. There is no other way through it. You have to be able to fight your way through life just as we have a will for ourselves. If you have no will, you have no drive. If you have no drive, you have no life. If you never take chances, you have no life. Life is faith-based. That means when we jump into a relationship, when we jump into a job, we jump into a car, we jump into life, a job, a home, whatever, having children, those are all leaps of faith, and that's the operating system of life. The operating system of life is not the need to control, which is called free will. It is the need to have faith in our decisions and be committed to them and make the best of them and experientially learn from them. That's the big deal, guys. And that's what we can learn when we're in a committed I am absolutely in love with this person. You know, there are there are costs to love in, in, in a selfless way. And those consequences can be very deep. One would anticipate the strong commitment and deep bond would mean great emotional pain if the relationship fails. But, you know, research suggests that the end of a rich, committed relationship can result in feelings of profound loss and sadness. You know, it's it's a greater loss when you lose true love. Taking the risk one day of having to pay such a price is inherent in the essential nature of agape love, which is all giving and selfless. And that is what it takes. And you have to understand that being selfless is not being a fool. What being selfless is is understanding that my partner needs gifts. Okay, that's her love language. I need uh, uh, acts of service. I like to, to if you, you probably hear in the background, our house is being cleaned. So that's my acts of service. That gives to me a sense of love because now I feel like we're taking care of ourselves. That's important. Now, other people, it's time together. Other people, it's intimacy. You know, uh, uh, other people... It's just being there for each other, you know, but the bottom line is we have to understand that we have to meet if we're going to be in a full on true love situation. We have to meet each other's love language. We cannot love each other like we want to be loved. We have to love each other in a way that they need to feel loved. And we have to be heightenedly aware of that. And if you're not good at your partner's love language, don't commit to them or be an expert at it. Get the knowledge in your head and the muscle memory to be able to meet that love language. If you do that, you're going to feed the marriage. It, 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 is it realistic to think that we can love such an all-giving and all-demanding way? Well, yes. That is what Jesus wanted for us, and that is what we owe each other. Compassion. Compassion, 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 compassion. Even the people that we think are evil, they're still good in them. Compassion, compassion, compassion. And that doesn't mean that they can get away with anything. It means we set boundaries, that we love them. And, and boundaries may be the way we set compassion with a person. You know, it may, may be the way we exercise it. You know, we do that for our children. We set boundaries and we do that because we love them. So, you know, in searching for true love, we need to redirect our focus and energy from receiving to giving, not sucking the life out of life, but giving to our partner in a way that they need to feel good. You know, otherwise we pay a hefty price of dragging our partner into the future and not filling their tank. Because the truth is a love language is a need. It's not a want. 
It is a need. And when you need something, it's from your soul. And if you starve that, the marriage, especially in a committed relationship, is absolutely the loneliest place on the earth. If you're stuck in a relationship that is monogamous and you have nobody there to meet your needs, which is your love languages, then you're going to have some big problems. And if you have a partner unwilling and too selfish and narcissistic to meet that love language, you are going to find yourself dragging your way through a lonely life with lots of resentment and lots of pockets of deep, deep, deep loneliness. You know, you know, happier families, uh, they, they think there are many different ways to be happily as a family. But all of them depend on the shared understanding of the needs of each person. Or if you per, prefer contingencies, you know, then you're not going to be able to meet behaviors because everything is obligatory. You want to give willingly to love languages. That is important. You could say that every marriage is a culture of its own. But you have to understand also that when people have children, if they are having children because they're just breeding stock and having children to uh, pro, uh, you know, put themselves back on the earth in a different way, that's very selfish. And there's about half of our population that are breeding stock. And then half of our population is actually parents. And parents actually care about their children's safety care about providing, care about the children's needs. And that is what the difference is. But when you have about 50% of our population that are narcissistic and don't care about their kids' needs, they care about their own needs first and foremost. Yeah, they may care about their kids' needs, but they don't care about it first and foremost. What will happen is a lot of difficult things like anxious attachment because children as, as babies are crying out because they're looking for safety and trust. Just as we are in a relationship, we're looking for safety and trust. We're looking for a partner who can read our cry, read our behavior, try to understand what our needs are, and get to know us. And that's what a baby looks for. But if they have parents that are too narcissistic to meet the safety and the love and the trust that they need, they find themselves anxiously attached, which moves on into their committed relationships. Those people have real trouble with what's called true love. All right, we're going to take another a break and then we're going to come back and talk about the ingredients of true love. So come back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. It's time to serve, learn, change the world. 
Tune in each week for the power of young people to change the world. Hosted by NYLC's CEO, Amy Muirs. The program is a forum for both young people and the adults who love and support them. We make connections with others through stories of change, partnership, and new perspectives of issues facing the world today. Be sure to join us every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time or anytime on demand on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about the topic of true love and the, the essentials of true love. You know, the topic of true love has been debated for centuries. Cynics often uh, swear it doesn't exist, while hopeless romantics think everyone should set out to find their soulmates. And, you know, the bottom line is it really takes a lot of work if you want to decide to be truly, truly in love. But it also takes a deep and soulful commitment, a life commitment to be with someone. That is imperative. And the truth is you have to accept that the grass is not greener on the other side. You have to make the grass greener on your side with your partner, and that's a shared adventure that they have to want to have. And one of you may do a better job than the other, and you need to learn from each other. You know, so let's look at what is true love. Well, first of all, you need to look at it as a verb. It's a work in progress. It's dynamic, and it requires action to thrive. And it also requires experiential learning where things may or may not work out. Now, what that also means is that we have to stop being judgmental in our relationship. That means we don't hammer on the bad things that happen and just see, I can't believe you did this. I can't believe you did this. Why did you do this? Blah, 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 blah. You know, keep hitting on the negative thing and you get nowhere with that person. You ask them why they do what they're doing and they don't oftentimes know why they did, but they know you think they're evil. And so if you're going to ask why questions, especially of your children or any human being, they're probably going to lie to you because it's a motive-based question where you think something negative about them. And so if you really want to get something out of life, you ask a what or a how question. What and how's are process-oriented. How did you arrive at this decision? What made you think that was the right thing to do? Well, the reason I thought about it was because this, this, this. That means you're always looking for forgiveness. If you want true love, if you want emotional trust, then you have to be a person who is interested in the process rather than hammering on the outcomes. We are so impatient in this day and age Uh, We do not look for the information. We'd rather judge, 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 make everything black and white, and it's just not. 
and understanding that forgiveness is usually about your intentions. And the bottom line is most people, especially with their partner, is not ill-intended. Yeah, they may do something stupid that affects their partner, but they probably didn't intend for it to affect them the way they thought it did. And so the bottom line is we spend our time worrying about what our partner feels towards us or how the relationship looks from the outside. And the truth is if you want true love, you don't care what your relationship looks like from the outside. You keep loving and you keep doing and you stop factoring in the performance of what it looks like to everyone else. Don't think about it. It's not worth it. What other one, other people's judgment, asking your mother how, what you should do in a relationship, asking your father, your sister, your friends, they don't know. They're not in that relationship. Make those decisions together. That's important. You know, even though it feels good to be loved by someone else, each of us can only feel our loving feelings for another person and not that person's feelings for us. What I'm trying to say is if you want to love someone and if you want true love, you have to first love yourself. That means have compassion for yourself. That teaches you how to love another person. I remember growing up, I... My stepfather was a doctor, and he was a a pathologist. And what he did was my grandmother was a very high-needs person, and especially medically. And he would be so compassionate with her. And, oh, yes, honey, yes, I'll take care. Oh, of course, of course. He took care of her, and it was really interesting how much compassion he showed for her. And it was different for Anyone else in the world did not get what he gave my grandmother. And it was really interesting because she just loved him through and through and through and through. And he was a pretty rough old cowboy, to tell you the truth. But the bottom line was that when I saw him give that kind of love to her, um, it really inspired me to give that kind of love to other people. And it was really shocking the amount of respect and the amount of love I got back by giving that kind of love. You know, it may feel frustrating, but it's actually pretty empowering to accept the fact that the only person we have a true control over in a relationship is ourselves. We do not need to be controlling other people. So that means you drop all expectations of everybody. No more of that crap. That's over-controlling because that means you have an emotional expectation of other people. And when those expectations are disappointed, everybody in your life, including yourself, becomes a failure. Never a good thing. Never a good thing. We do not want to surround our life with people who feel like a failure and us who feel like a failure. If you want to resonate true love for all people in your life, move every expectation you ever designed to a preference. I prefer. I prefer dot, dot, dot. I prefer this. I prefer that. You can communicate a preference all day long, which teaches people how to love you without offending anybody. Because it's all about a preference. You know, we can choose whether we engage behaviors that are destructive to intimacy, like expectations, or whether we take actions that express feelings of love, compassion, affection, respect, and kindness. If you want to set up a way for people to rebel against you, set up expectations and the world will rebel, rebel against you. In order to consciously or or consistently choose the best choices, 
the healthy choices. It's like a preference. It's valuable to look at the characteristics as, that uh, of, of thinking about that. You know, uh, uh, characteristics of true love versus a fantasy bond, which is an expectation, is this. We maintain no defensiveness. <clears throat> Excuse me. We develop closeness. And couples should be open to each other, which means we are willing to hear feedback from each other that we may or may not agree with, that welcomes new experiences. We don't discount each other. And here's the other part of it. It's really interesting. Some people, like men, oftentimes by majority, are ruminative processors. And what that means is they process an idea in themselves. They get an idea. They think about it. They Google it. They may ask one person. But basically, they go through this process of coming to a decision. And when they do that, they land on that decision. And that's when they announce the decision to their partner. And that may be a week from the time they started thinking about it. The auditory processor, which is often the other side of a relationship, is a person who once they get an idea, it enters their brain and exits their mouth. And they start talking about it so they can hear what their brain is thinking. And so what they do is they process and they process. They ask their mother, their sister, their brother, their kids, their, their friends, all their, their husband, their wife, whatever. They keep asking and asking and asking and talking and talking. And all they're trying to do is hear themselves think. They don't want your opinion. They're just hearing themselves think. And as they do that, what they do is they arrive at a decision auditorially. Well, ruminative processors think you're crazy because you'll drop an idea without ever thinking about it. So they take that as you're stupid. But it's not true. It's just not how they process. They don't process the same as a ruminative. So ruminative processors tend to have great disrespect for auditory processors. And auditory processors tend to say no to everything a ruminative processor says because they just need time to think about it. Unfortunately, the ruminative processor takes everything very serious that comes out of an auditory processor's mouth and they will judge them and they will behave as such. Very stupid. But if you want to be in true love, you need to listen to the auditory processor. Ruminative processors are so destructive because they get set in their ways and they try to control a relationship based on silence. Silence is power. If you want to develop resentment with your partner, then don't have good communication with them early on in thought process. You know, it's really try to be open to new things is the other thing. People that say, I hate change, hate life. You know, we need to love life. We need to like change. We need to appreciate change. But here's the deal. We have to trust each other if we want true love. We have to trust each other not to make decisions when we react to things, but make the decision when we respond, when we're ready to be logical. Stop making reactive decisions. That's what depressed people do They or anxious people. They'll make lots of reactive decisions. As you do that, you destroy your life. You tear the fabric of your life apart. You tear apart your integrity. Reactive decisions are stupid. Responsive decisions are thought through and logical. That is a better way to go. And to be that kind of person, you have to be smart enough to say, I'm not ready to make any choices. I'm just going to buy some time. We need to cool down and think this through. You know, 
honesty and integrity is also a very important part of life. You know, to tell the truth is one of the first lessons most of us are supposed to be taught as kids. But we tend to allow our kids to lie and deceive. And we just go, oh, they're just a kid. Oh, they're just a kid. And guess what? They don't learn the value of honesty. You know, as adults, there can be a lot of deception in our close relationship. There can be truths that are what you're willing to accept rather than what I'm able to offer you. And that's because they don't want you to make a reactive uh, decision in in hearing what they have to say. You know, as adults, uh, we are dishonest with our partners sometimes. And the fact is, that's like spinning in the wind. If you're going to be a dishonest person with your partner, that means you're not looking out for your own life too. That means that your value of who you are and what your life is with your partner is just not there. We have to listen to our partner and naturally makes them feel seen, feel heard, feel respected, feel cared about. Both both ways. Both ways. Not one way. Both ways. Very much. You know, pushing our partner for being honest and direct with us shuts down communication. And so what you have to do is you have to be safe enough to receive the truth. Safe enough to receive the truth. That means that you don't go into some temper tantrum. You go, oh, okay, let me think about this. That's interesting. That's good you're telling me. Thank you. We need to praise people for telling us the truth. Make ourselves safe. And like I said, if you're going to challenge it, use a what and a how. How did you decide that? Or what? Did, how did they think about this? What made this decision arrive at that? You know, that is important. You know, the respect for other people's boundaries and priorities and goals is very important because oftentimes we don't understand this, but character is the ability to make decisions. And if you have character, which is a decisive person, that means you're willing to change your mind. Yes. You're willing to be convinced otherwise. Yes. And you are teaching your partner how to love you by the decisions that you make. That is a critical component of our existence, but people forget that over and over and over again, and what they do is they don't make decisions or they don't want conflict, and so they avoid everything and they avoid ever defining a personality that people can love. You know, uh, uh, we have to use – have to see the other person as a separate part of us in a relationship. We have to consider them at all times. We have to talk to them at all times about all decisions that, that impact both of us. And sometimes it impact us that in secondarily impacts our partner. That means respecting them as a unique, autonomous person, not somebody that you're obligating to ride in the back of your cart. You know, couples tend to take on roles or play into power dynamics. We may tell each other what to do or how to act, or we may speak for or teach uh, about each other in ways that are limiting or defining. If we want to label each other, by labeling each other, what we do is we stifle the way that the world will see us and we stifle the way that we see ourselves. We are not an egotistical label. We are a person, a soul living a human life. And that soul cannot be labeled. It may have bents. It may have things it loves and doesn't love. But the bottom line is it's adaptive. It is an adaptive creature. And we have to be more in line with the courage to have the will to be in touch with our soul. Nietzsche, an atheist, would call that will to power. 
will to power. That is our willingness to drive our life through our will to do substantial things that help other people. That means we decide in our life how we want people to seek us, what they want, what we want them to seek us for, what is our person, our, our passion, what is our purpose. If we don't have passion and purpose, if we don't have the willingness to impact each other's life, we drift and drift and drift and drift. You know, physical affection and personal sexuality is also important for true love. And what that means is a willingness to get in each other's two-foot, three-foot body space that allows us to understand that, oh, this person is mine. This person is my love. Okay, that means that we enter that energy space and tell each other that we love each other by the way we enter it. We are the people that's supposed to be entering that two to three foot space. And affection is a huge part of life. That means a touch, a kiss on the forehead, a, t- a touch on the back. It doesn't mean we have to linger and be really, you know, weird. What it means is that we just let each other know that we love each other without an agenda. And that tells us that we belong together. But if you don't get into that real estate as partners, you're going to lose touch with your sexuality. And what's going to happen is you're inviting others to join that space. And if you make it very, very lonely, there's a good chance that somebody is going to enter that space and, and acknowledge and get something started with somebody that shouldn't be happening. You know, that two-foot body space is very important. And that means it belongs to each other. It belongs to each other in true love relationships. We cut ourselves off. But people that do that, by the way, that's called meta-communication, nonverbal communication. Entering that space and reminding each other that we belong together is a way in which we reignite our love at all times. It is the beginning. It is the door, the opening to starting us back to getting together. And what's the other thing is, is as we build resentments in our life, resentment for, well, maybe you spend more time with the kids or maybe you don't meet my love language. The more we do that and resent, the more that we use sex and intimacy as the battleground. You know, we tend to deaden the relationship, weakens the spark between ourselves and our partner when we forget to touch each other. We forget to enter that space. Sexuality can become routine or impersonal as a result. Both partners feel more distant and less satisfied, but keeping a love alive means staying in touch with a part of ourselves, and that wants physical contact and is willing to give and receive affection. That vulnerability teaches us that we belong together. We belong to each other. Very important that we feed that. But we don't feed it out of obligation. We feed it out of compassion for each other, out of the need to meet those needs. Very important to get down to that concept. It's easy to project into our partner or to misunderstand things they're saying, either using them to feel hurt or attacked, you know, old familiar ways that resonate with us. Very important for us to get away from that. It's also easy to get stuck in our own point of view without seeing things from the other person's perspective. That means you lack love, compassion. You need to understand that person's perspective. Stop trying to be right. Stop trying to to acknowledge how much you're right or how much you what you were trying to do defending yourself. Try to listen to them. You're responsible not only for your perception of the truth, but their perception of you. Their perception of the truth is equal to your perception of the truth. And if you don't understand that, you're going to have a really hard time 
finding true love. Let's take another break and come back. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Unravel the mysteries of metaphysics every week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Join host Barb Crowley as she and her insightful guest share what's been learned behind the veil, going just beyond our five senses. Now you can see things with an entirely different point of view. Tune in for Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil, broadcasting live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Use it to explore your advantage and deeper understanding. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. We're talking about the essentials of true love. And, you know, in order to be a relationship that is truly loving, it must be equal. And when one person tries to control or manipulate the other by yelling or screaming or stonewaller or playing the victim, neither person is experiencing an adult, equal, or loving relationship. If you're trying to parent your partner, you are not going to experience a loving relationship. If you're going to treat your partner like they're a child, you're not going to have a loving relationship. We do not treat our partners oftentimes just as much as with as much respect as we treat the people in the world and we treat people at work. And the truth is you need to do a better job loving your partner if you're looking for true love. You know, you know the characteristics of real love, how we can make steps ourselves to create a more loving relationship. It's important to acknowledge that despite the clear-sounding discrepancies between real love and fantasy, many people mistake one for the other. We don't want fantasy love. How many times have you seen couples that look like the perfect couple and they're so loving and they do all the great things and they do all these great things together? Well, we're not behind the doors. We don't see everything. And if you don't see everything, you have to understand that there's some negatives in relationships and that's just the way it goes. And many times we're surprised when we see people that we thought we're perfect together getting a divorce but the fact is 
is that there are power plays that people play. And if people do performance love, that is not true love. Performance love is not true love. You know, many of us become caught up in a fairy tale of superficial elements or the form of a relationship. That's like living at Disneyland all the time. You know, we may fall in love with the illusion of connection or security of the situation, but we don't let ourselves get too close to the other person. And, you know, that's because while most of us think we want love, we often actually take actions to push it away. And that's why the first step to being more loving is to get to know and challenge our own defenses. We cannot afford to be defensive in true love. That means that we have to be curious and interested, curious and interested that is the ingredient that will help us. Many people have fears of intimacy, of which they aren't even aware. We may be tolerant of realizing our dreams of falling in love and fantasy, but often we are intolerant of having that dream fulfilled in reality. You know, People that have been traumatized sexually oftentimes will take it out in the bedroom and will lack the ability to be inhibited with their partner. And, and so the biggest obstacle to finding and maintaining loving relationship is us. We have to get to know what defenses we have, why we bring them to the table, and why we ward off love. We, if we grow up feeling rejected, we may feel anxious about getting too close to another person. If we feel rejected in our childhood, we may not be willing to accept compliments, which is the greatest thing you can do because nobody wants to give compliments to somebody that makes it so hard to give them a compliment. Just say thank you, for God's sake. Thank you. That's all you have to do. You know, stop making it so hard for people to, to see something good in you, you know? The biggest obstacle to finding and maintaining a loving relationship is us. If we felt criticized or resented in our childhood, if we, we may have trouble feeling confident or worthwhile, we may seek out partners who put us down or are narcissistic or groom us to be codependent. You know, they never fully accept us. Uh, so they, they threaten this as an early uh, self-perception. If we felt intruded on in our early lives or if we had an emotionally hungry parent like a, a, a borderline personality that will suck the, life, the soul straight out of your body, we may avoid intimacy altogether and feel uh, uh, pseudo-dependent or we may subconsciously seek out people who depend on us to meet all their needs and more because that's what we grew up with and that's what we had to make a part of our life be. And that means we had to be an expert in that area. The good news is we can start to break those distressing relationship patterns by better knowing ourselves, growing up in the body and the age that we're in and owning our life, make new choices for who we are, for what we want to be, and stop trying to be that for everybody else. Stop trying to demonstrate everybody what a great adult I am. Look, I have my home, I have the car, I got the wife, I got the kids, I got the vacations, got money in the bank, got all these great things. Yeah, well, nobody cares. We're not as important as we think we are. We're not nearly as important as we think we are. We're only important when other people need us. So if you want to have a life that is needed, then you're going to have a life that's worthy. But you may not have all the great things. You may be needed for something that other people need, but it doesn't reward you as greatly financially, like maybe being a minister or something like that, you know? But the bottom line is we have to approach challenging old ingrained patterns of our defenses. And the process 
is differentiation. Differentiate from critical, punishing, destructive attitudes that you internalized in your early life. Differentiate from undesirable traits in your parents that you see in yourself. You know, challenge the defense reactions you had as a, a, a child self that no longer serve you in the present, especially if you've been so abused that you actually react as a child at the age of 12 to something that happened to you back then at 34 or 40 or 50 and you act like that 12-year-old being violated, that means you've got inner child defense problems and you need to grab them. You know, formulating and learning to live by your own values. You know, what do you want to be? You know, take these steps of differentiate, which allows us to enter into true love with ourselves and with others. Many answers as to why love fades can be found in understanding how and why we uh, form a fantasy bond. But fantasy bonds are to be seen and not to be felt. To be seen and not to be felt. Very important to understand that. But if we really want to have a deep and meaningful life, we have to get to know what our soul needs and we have to honor that. That means we become affectionate. We slow down. And we understand that the meaning of life has to do with being present. If you really think about it, it's kind of stupid to be in a committed relationship because you have to compromise your butt off. And it's very hard. But here's the deal. The only reason you're with someone else, especially in true love, is because it is meaningful to you. If your partner is not meaningful to you, if that means you don't have a reason to want to be with that person, if you have no meaning to be with that person, you're probably not going to be with that person. And so the deep, meaningful part of true love is the meaning of being with your partner. That is the essence of where we make all our life decisions, is the meaning, not the logic the meaning, the meaning of our car, the meaning of our home, the meaning of our partner, the meaning of our job, the meaning of our children. All of these things, if they're going to be important, have to have emotional meaning. And that's an important thing for you to understand that that comes and that is the essence of what keeps people together. And if you do things as defensive uh, uh, strategies will do, if you allow your defenses to push love away, what you're saying is your life is meaningless. Your relationship is meaningless. If you're trying to detract the meaning out of your relationship, basically you're setting the stage for divorce or a breakup. You know, some people go through life drinking or, 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 or drugs or whatever, being selfish, being stupid, risk-taking. They live what's called a suicidal life. They want to die, but they don't want to know when they're going to die. They're just going to die. You know, some people live in a suicidal marriage where they basically keep making decisions to destroy the marriage because they're defensive or nasty and not willing to hear. They always have to get their way. They always have to think that they're right. And if that's the way it is, they're basically saying, I want a divorce. But they are too uh, lack too much of a spine to be able to do that. So they do it by creating a gauntlet that just wears you down until you're ready to break up. You know, good people that are together keep eye contact. They try something old. They try something new. They break routines. They avoid passivity and control. They take a, a, a talk as an I instead of it's your fault. I did this, I did that, I did this and that. 
the people that take accountability and responsibility for themselves and their lives and their marriage are going to live a substantial life. The people that have very few trusted relationships are all about blaming other people. You know, victims suck the soul out of your body. You know, be aware of your critical inner voice. We all have an inner enemy that criticize ourselves. If we're going to be so hard on ourselves that we can't forgive ourselves, we're going to have a hard time loving. Do something independently. Just because you're a couple doesn't mean you, you have to do everything together. Some couples drown themselves in the idea that they force each other to have to do everything together. Maybe a wife will force their husband to have to be with all, around all their friends. Maybe a husband will force the wife to play golf. Well, no, you don't live that way. You don't force your partner to do stuff. You want to honor the fact that they have independent needs and just say, yeah, that's cool. I'm glad you're yourself and celebrate that. You know, the other thing is if you come home from work and you haven't seen each other all day, the last thing you need to say is how was your day or who did you see today? No, it's how do you feel? How do you feel? That's important. How do you feel? That's why people are together. So if you want to understand, the first question you ask your partner is how you feel and talk about it. Talk about how you feel. For God's sake, that's why you're together. And you also want to avoid this tit for tat. Oh, you did this, so I'm going to do this. And you did that, so I'm going to do that. That's childish. You know, the, 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 you want to look for the things in life that are, make you grateful for your partner and talk about that. That you want to light your partner up. That's what you want to do. You want to compliment them. You want to acknowledge the great things that they do. And you also want to take actions your partner would perceive as loving, which is called meeting their love language. And if you become closed off, you're going to be hard to reach. If you're going to be hard to reach, you're going to be hard to love. You need to get over crap quickly and move on. Don't hang on to stuff. Nobody's got bad intentions. We have bad outcomes, but we don't have bad intentions. And if you're so butthurt, explore the intentions and stop judging. You know, it's human nature. We're always searching for one for that one soul who matches perfectly in our lives. Well, no, there's no such thing as a soulmate, but there is people out there who match our soul in many different ways in the ways that we need to be needed. And some people get it and some people don't. Some people are too narcissistic to actually love. Some people are breeding stock and some people are parents and some people are actually great husbands, wives, and parents. And that's really hard to find. A great husband, a great wife, and great parents together all in one package. Wouldn't that be amazing if people were to invest in that idea? Then what we might have is true love being taught to children, and that would be a great thing. You know, love is a pretty powerful feeling, and once you start feeling it, there, there is no turning point. There will be no explanations, no logic, no confusing. Once you're in love, you will know it, and this is it. I've found the person. Now go, run. Go. That's all God wants us to do is just go. Go and experience and feel and understand that it's going to be hard, but you stay committed. You run the course and you're going to do great things in your life. All right. That's our show. Thanks for everybody for listening. I love hearing from you. You can do that at voiceamerica.com, the empowerment channel, Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. We also have a Facebook page. Now, remember, 
Love at first sight is possible, but it takes a second look. And if you find a good wife, you'll be happy. If you find a bad wife, you'll probably become a philosopher. Also, we all want to be as tempting as chocolate cake. But if you've been through the holidays like I have, you probably look like chocolate cake without the icing. Also, women are meant to be loved and not trusted. That's from Oscar Wilde. And adding meaning to my life is not equivalent to subtracting cash from my wallet. And that's something you want to remind your children of and maybe your spouse every day of your life. Thanks for listening, everybody. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. 